Any questions? We, we'll start with one. <laughs> um, so I was wondering, um, so how does one become dear to your heart? Well, uh, that's been asked before. Um, and I think that, um, first of all, all my disciples are, are dear to my heart because they have been sent to me to um, uh, to help f- find their way in Krishna consciousness. And um, so we have a natural heart connection. Um, and as one advances in Krishna consciousness, then they become more dear because they become more closer to where I am and we can associate in a more meaningful um, sense. So, how do you become dear to Krishna? Well, you have to become Krishna conscious. Hmm? Uh, Krishna says, for example, amongst those who approach me, um, uh, there are those who approach out of distress, those who approach out of want for economic gain, those who are curious and seekers, and those who are in knowledge. He says, the ones who are in knowledge are dearer to me, because it means, he's saying, that, that they're people like Sukadeva, they're self-realized, and then they come to Krishna consciousness. Hmm. So they're already spiritually, um, Krishna's spiritual. If you want to enter the fire, you have to become like fire. Hmm. You can't go to Goloka Vrindavan with your, with your shoes on. Right? So the material conceptions have to be left behind. So the one who is, is self-realized and comes to bhakti will be dearer to Krishna than one who comes because they're materially distressed, because they want economic support, or even a seeker, a sincere seeker, because a jnani, in this context, uh, refers to someone who's has it some attainment. Hmm? He understood the, the difference between body and the self. That doesn't mean that we should all become jnanis and then we become dear to Krishna. It doesn't, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just making a, using this example, which is uh, to illustrate the fact that in order to become dear to Krishna, we need to become like Krishna, so to speak. It becomes spiritual. So, much as we become spiritually advanced, then we become closer to our our guru, hmm? and um, so that's one answer. And all of them are coming because they want to make spiritual advancement. So we have a heart connection, and and then they um, practice, and 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 they progress, and and uh, and. So that's one answer. There's another overriding answer uh, that that, um, that I think um, also uh, applies, and that is that while the math I'm giving is, if you will, by spiritual advancement, they become closer. There's also the fact that some may not be as spiritually advanced, but they're trying their hardest. Hmm. And 
we can see that and so forth. So they become very, very dear. Not everybody tries as hard as everybody else. They're sincere and, and so forth. Everybody's sincere on some level. Mm-hmm. And um, so those are some general answers. Another general answer is, well, we've given certain practices, so they take them up seriously. They chant their japa, they, they follow, and they, they, they make their, sad, their sadhanas, their kind of, this is the connection hmm, with me. This is how we're connected to the sadhana. So they do the sadhana, they do the practice. Hmm. And, um, and then, and that's for everybody. And then, um, kind of practically speaking, well, I have certain things that I want to do in the world in service to my gurus, to our guru parampara. And when devotees are thinking about me, their guru, and then they understand he's trying to do these things. These are the things, the service, his, the service that he wants to accomplish. This is what he wants to do for Gaudiya Vaishnavism in service to his gurus, and becomes aware of those things. Then they if they identify with those things hmm, and uh, want to participate in them. And there's different ways that they can, of course. Hmm. One can participate directly by, you know, for example, in monastic life, and, uh, if they're suited for that. Or they can participate from the Grihasta Ashram in other ways. But they, this is what's they've understood in an external sense what's on my mind. Hmm? Hmm? For example, these projects are on my mind. Managing them, seeing that they they go on, and that they're 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 uh, taken care of, expanded, and so forth. And it's very consuming. Um, I, I want to uh, books to write. I want to publish them. So I can see them read, you know, by, by my students at least. <laughs> And, uh, and the thoughts imbibed, and you know, when opportunity presents itself, depending on your situation, to share the thoughts with others and so forth would be uh, natural and expected. But um, again, identifying externally hmm, with what I want to there's things that I want to do internally that may take more time for someone to understand and so forth. They could catch it the- theoretically, identify with it, and think, Guru Maharaj wants that. I want that, you know. Well, you know, you're on the same page then. Whatever Guru Maharaj wants to do, wherever he wants to go, wherever he's going, I want to go. They think like that. That kind of Guru Nishta, obviously, that's endearing. We have a smaller campaign, so Prabhupada's campaign, by comparison, was very broad. Again, all of his disciples are dear to him. Because that's why they have the heart connections where they come. And... Many of them helped to do what he wanted to do in this world for, for preaching and so forth. Some of them then um, are able to identify with where he resides, if you will, internally. Others I've seen have not. And, um, and so there's, there's different levels of connecting like that. Um, but the very practical thing is, is that uh, in this world, in here and now, in your sadhaka day, as in your practitioner's bodies, you see I have things I'm trying to accomplish for the benefit of my disciples. And 
for the sake of showcasing Gaudi Vaishnavism with what I feel is the kind of intellectual integrity and personal integrity that it that it you know it, it warrants and and um, so these are not small ideas that I have here with these ashrams and uh, it takes a lot to do them. I mean I start with nothing, nothing. A lot of people against me, <laughs> unfortunately. So it's it's uh, uh, it's. Uh, um, it's it's a lot to do, and so when they identify with those projects, and and they want to assist me in ways that they can that that relieves me from having to worry about them, be concerned about them, and then I can spend time on things that nobody else can do for the benefit of the group. Then, obviously, that uh, endears my students. To me, and that may be, as I say, it, it's not that you have to be a monk to do that. We need monks. I said the other night we need fifty monks, so still working on that. But um, you don't have to be a monk to, to, to identify with those things and participate in them. Householders can participate. They can come to the festivals and, and, and as much as possible take association. They, they they should contribute financially because they're out there working in the world and. And if they if they really take that to heart, then I've given some standards by which I've said if if, if the workers out there um, in the world could come to that standard, then it would be a great um, relief to me, and these projects would go forward at a much greater pace. Pace. I don't I don't mandate that, but I make suggestions, and it should be pretty clear to everybody what my suggestions are as an ideal and so forth. So. And I, I, I don't hold it against anybody if they don't, but, but uh, it's it's when they make an effort, try, and so forth, and it's, it's much appreciated by me. Hmm. So they, you know, devotees like me. They like they like my knowledge. Hmm. Do they like me? <laughs> That's uh, you know another question. I mean, they do, but. And you think, what is he about? What, what's on his mind? What, what are the things he's trying to accomplish at Saragrahi, at Madhavan, at, at, um, at Audarya, for example, in preaching in Europe and Poland and, and so forth. Um, and so it's just very practical or something really, you know, rocket science or too esoteric. I mean, there is an esoteric side I touched on, the internal life of the guru and, Becoming interested in that, but even that, you have to be qualified to be. You may be interested or have some understanding from what's been said and you've heard, but to be interested in a meaningful way, in terms of doing something about it, requires some progress, spiritual progress, on the part of the, the devotees. Mm-hmm. But um, those are some some ways of of thinking about it. But I, in general, I guess I would emphasize the two things, uh, and that is that they do their spiritual practice. And beyond that, if they can help me from their own position with the projects that I'm doing, then that that, that will be... Um, that second one is, is, is... I guess I want to say that's something they have to do. I'm teaching Gaudi Vaishnavism. Hmm? Here it is. You practice like this. Hmm? Um, um, but an inside tip is, well, you know, 
you want to endear yourself <laughs> to the Vaishnavas, to the teachers, to the gurus, there are a few things that you, you could do that would uh, you know, help. And they might even help you more than your, your practice because your ability to practice might be limited. Hmm? To chant attentively and so on and so forth. So the practical service to the mission hmm? um, is... Uh, is something you shouldn't shouldn't miss. Have a service attitude and identify the mission as Krishna has descended in this way to help me. Hmm? And it's all reaching out to me. So I should reach out to it and and so forth. We want want to make a different, you know, reincarnate the Hare Krishna movement here in a different form. Hmm? Similar, but but, but not the same uh, and different for the uh, benefit of the devotees and benefit of the uh, non-devotees who, who deserve a different presentation according to their the time and circumstance in which they live. That's the whole function of the guru and the parampara hmm? to assess the time, circumstances, and make a presentation that will have uh, uh, feel relevant to the, to the people of the time. So we we owe it to them to do that <clears throat> and. You know, and many devotees can kind of live in the past and, and so forth. I think those were the good old times. These are the good new times. Mm-hmm. Properly understood, every day is good and and uh, worth waking up to and, and answering the uh, the uh, buffalo horn of Balaram's call to service, something like that. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know the projects in particular are very important to me. There, and as I say, they consume a lot of my time, energy, and to have good good managers, good followers, hmm? um, both are hard to get. And get a good manager, and then nobody wants to can follow and be submissive. And, or you, uh, anyway, so but we need. Find your place in, in that regard, as far as in 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 the projects themselves, or in relation to them from the householders. There's. I want my when I see my disciples who represent Gaudiya Vaishnavism, following in the way that I do, in relation to other it, missions and so forth, and this interaction. That's uh, that's important to me. Very practical things. That help. Any f- further follow-up comments, questions about that? Yes. Yeah, I put two questions, but it, is, but it may or may not be related to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first question is that: Are the instructions of the guru? So do they have any inherent value in themselves, or they serve? Only actually to destroy the false ego. Do they have any what? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, do they have any inherent value in and as of themselves, or are they serve actually only to destroy the false ego? The instructions of the guru. Yeah. Well, there are different kinds of instructions. <coughs> there will be instructions that are aimed at helping to dis- deconstruct the false ego, and there are instructions that will be more directed towards constructing a spiritual ego. And we, we, you know, we, we tend to kind of become both at, at the same time. 
because if you want to, the best way to deconstruct the false ego, which is an enjoying ego, is to exemplify and teach about how to attaining a serving ego. So attaining a serving ego involves deconstructing the enjoying ego. But the serving ego is the basis, then, of an identity in Krishna Leela. So I, 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 I wouldn't... Um, and the whole thrust of bhakti is, is positive and um, aimed at, at attainment of bhakti and praying. Now it's popular in the quasi or contemporary Western spiritual community often to say there's nothing to attain because that's the illusion that you think you have to attain something. Hmm? The soul is already, the Atman is enlightened. There's no nothing to attain. We readily speak about attainment. That statement has some truth to it, but it's very much misunderstood. Hmm? Yes, the Atma is such ananda that never changes. So, it's not that we attain something that we don't already have. But, but um, as far as attaining self-realization, hmm. it's not that there's no work to be done. Hmm. You have attained or acquired other things that are getting in the way. Hmm. So, to let go of them, hmm. this is just from a self-realization or gyan perspective, hmm. is, is quite a bit... Quite a um, a handful, hmm. <laughs> and so to make a statement that the self self is, is already you're already enlightened, it, it, with the implication being, not only should you not do anything, but to try to do something is the height of illusion, which is often you hear this in contemporary circles. Is 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 a, is a classic example of the American Western mind thinking that it's got it and improving on it when it hasn't understood it at all. So, now, with regard to bhakti, of course, our whole emphasis on clearing away, letting go, and uh, deconstructing the the false ego is um, all such that, 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 that it's a byproduct of a of a, of a conscious pursuit of attaining something. And that's something that you don't have inherently. The jiva does not inherently have prem. Hmm. It's a unit of sat chitananda, but it, it's not a unit of prem. It was, it wouldn't have the, the problems it has now. This prem this can't be covered by, by maya. Jiva is a unit of consciousness, such, but it, but it, it's such, it's tatasta, so it can be covered. We are, we are covered uh, in this world, uh, so it's hard to get around that. But um, so the the idea of the tatasta shakti is it's very interesting. It's very, I mean, it answers a huge question. If you're enlightened, why are you not enlightened, or why, why do you think you're not? If you say you're already enlightened. Why am I thinking that I'm not? Where did that ever come from? How can it come from myself? As we were saying the other day, how can it come from myself, that thought, if I'm enlightened? Hmm? Obviously, if I have to say to someone, the whole problem is that you think you're not enlightened when you are. 
just be what you are. Stop thinking that you're not enlightened and you need to attain something. Well, obviously, somehow you got confused <laughs> somewhere along the line. So where does that come from? If you're enlightened, how can it come from the self? If it does, there's a problem with enlightenment and it doesn't deserve the name. Hmm? This is the whole problem with Advaita Vedanta, for example, the Mayavad idea. <laughs> it's the Achilles heel of it, actually. Hmm? If there's only one, how can there even be a perception of two, this world and that world? Hmm? They do some fancy footwork, and you know, but it, it, it doesn't it doesn't hold up. Hmm? So, um, whereas the idea of the jiva being real rather than just a product of illusion, really, there's no individual soul. There's only one Brahman. And, I mean, how did Brahman become think it was many and can be confused and so forth? So. No, there is a real jiva, and it is really confused. And it can be confused because it's not Brahman. Hmm? It's a certain category of, um, of, of, of spirituality, if you will. It's a minute um, atom, a monad of Satchitananda. And by its nature, hmm, it has the capacity to function in the material world, which means to be under the influence of matter, even though matter can never change it, transform it, turn it into something else. It never becomes matter. Matter doesn't enter it. Hmm? That's like a light coming inside of a box or something like that. Hmm? Hmm? You could take off the box. So... Uh, the, the ex- explanation of the Jivatma in Gaudiya Vaishnava is as tata. Hmm? Tatasta. It explains. Yes, you're enlightened, but why you're not? Hmm? And it doesn't come from you. So there is, and this is the, 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 the drift in these forms of neo dwaitanism There's this pure idealism, monistic spiritual idealism. There's no, there is no world. It's all your consciousness and so forth. No, there's something there. It's not what we, what it looks like. It's, it's more mind-like or consciousness-like than it is hard bodies and things. But but there is something there called the Maya Shakti, called the objective world. And without acknowledging that, you cannot explain why you have to be told, in their terms, that stop trying to be enlightened, you already are. If you don't acknowledge that, your explanation makes no sense. Hmm? So, so, Given the, the, it's a very beautiful explanation, the Tasta Shakti, but playing that out further, then as I say, the Tasta Shakti is what it is. Maya can't change it. It's not going to attain a state of being, knowing, and loving that it didn't have before when you remove the Maya. Hmm? but it doesn't inherently have bhakti or prem. So there is also something to attain. Hmm? Um, and, okay, now if you say there's something to attain, then the problem goes, oh, it comes, oh, well, if there's something to attain, then it's something that's created that doesn't already exist, and how can that ideal be worthy of attaining? Because it's not eternal. Therefore, 
very carefully that, that our Acharyas have taught, Krishna Prem Nityasiddha, Sadhika Bunai, that Bhakti, Prem Bhakti, is eternally existing, just like you are eternally existing. And we're not trying to attain Satchitananda, you are Satchitananda. In fact, that's what we are trying to attain. We're trying to attain enduring life without dying, full knowing, and full loving. We're trying to attain it. That's the problem, because we're trying to attain what we already are. And you are a unit of eternal being, comprehensive knowing and loving. So stop trying to love, or trying to be, and trying to know in relation to matter. I mean, we, we teach that. Okay, fine. Now, again, with regard to Prem, there's something to attain, but it's already eternally existing. That Prem is already eternally existing. Sakirasa, Madhurirasa, Atsalirasa, Dasirasa, Braj, they already exist. In re- and they are they are manifestations of the of the sarup shakti, particular combinations of sambit and ladini, which are elements of the of the sarup shakti, and and they are they are uh, personified in the associates of Krishna, and so that and they're integral to the whole idea. If you have to have Krishna, you have to have love of Krishna, and so forth. So. We call it his sarup shakti. It's his own nature, hmm? and um, and so coming in touch with with that, then that can make 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 ingress into the jiva, and the jiva can attain something that it doesn't have, but it's attaining something that's eternal, hmm? and so you, they will follow, you know, certain you know madhuras or sakiras or dasiras. That may be the case, but they're they're following something that's eternally existing and descending, coming down to us through the dispensation of bhakti and so forth. So you can see how these ideas they play out. You're already enlightened. Yes, dasya bhakti is already already there. It's not something that you make up that you didn't have that you attain. It wasn't there before. It's already there, but it has to make ingress. And so there's a god, also. You're not, you're not the only one involved here. So, I'm going around a bit, but making some um, important points. But relative to your question, our lineage is about attaining something. And the, the, the foregoing of something, the letting go, and the deconstructing of the false ego... Is all in the context of attainment. That was wholly positive. You are saying you are referring to that positive content as inherent, and the deconstructing of the ego as what was the term you used? Not inherent. Anyway, the instructions. So our instructions are all really about what is bhakti, how to attain bhakti. And so the Guru's instructions in that regard all have inherent value. Hmm. They're talking about something that uh, that, that is um, eternal, positive attainment. But in the context of the attainment, hmm, 
the byproduct of deconstructing the false ego is there. Sometimes we'll talk in such a way as to emphasize on that there's a byproduct, we should be looking for that, and here's what it looks like. And here's what it looks like when, it's, when you're not doing a good job of it, and, and so forth. We can point out like that. But I think overall, it would be more accurate to say that the Guru's instruction all have inherent value. Now, that said, to take it to another dimension altogether, there are things that the Guru says that it instructs that have relative, some relative value. Hmm? That, that could be said one, one way or another way, and one time might say it one way or another way. Still overarching overall, it's all for our eternal upliftment, and, uh, and well, I would say best to look at it as if it has inherent value. But I could say, um, you know, Shamananda do this, and you could say, okay, but I already did that. And you think, well, what's the what's the value of my instruction? And so forth. Well, you know, we were organizing a mission here, and and of course, I was just testing him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you can get into that space if you like, you know, but it's a little um, gets a bit convoluted. Hmm. You know, the guru does not have uh, imperfect senses. <laughs> It means, really what it means, is not that, uh, that uh, he's just wearing the glasses to test you, you know, because he actually has better than 20-20 vision. But, but it, it means that he doesn't rely or she doesn't rely upon his or her senses to make a determination about the nature of being, but rather on, on Shastra, on revelation. Doesn't rely upon to make to come to a comprehensive understanding of the nature of reality. Doesn't rely upon imperfect means. Hmm? Um, so fully relying on, on on revelation and and sufficiently schooled or bathed in that, as it said, Shrotriyam Brahmanishtam. Hmm? He doesn't make mistakes. Means he doesn't choose Maya over Krishna. That's the big, that's the only mistake there is. Hmm? Everything else is, is relative. Hmm? When at first we choose to deceive, it says, "Oh, what a web we weave!" When at first we choose, to, so this is the choice: choose to deceive. You choose my over, over Krishna. Then there's going to be so many problems that go along with that. Hmm? But this is just the one mistake that's avoided. Hmm? And uh, I think these are more dynamic ways of understanding. They said the conditioned soul suffers from a cheating propensity, imperfect senses, um, the tendency to become illusioned and to make mistakes. So I've seen in my gurus that Prabhupada wore glasses, so I didn't think his sense of sight was twenty twenty, and that he was just wearing them, you know, to, to test me or something. Uh, or whatever, you know, so you can get into weird space about like that. Some people do, it becomes rather kind of kind of cultish. And and, um, and so, so I give a more, this is a more dynamic way of understanding. He doesn't make mistakes. I mean, he doesn't choose my over Krishna. I saw him say, um, make, um, make mistakes, think something was something, and I say, I say no, it's, this is what... The, he, 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 what he said. Oh, he's saying this. Okay. Hmm. And so, 
he doesn't, but he didn't choose Maya over Krishna. Hmm? You understand? Yeah, like this. So I think that um, that um, overall, yeah, the various structures have inherent value, even when speaking on relative issues. Hmm? Something in the background should always be considered. Does that help? Another question? Yeah, the other question I had is that is the guru all pervading in the sense that uh, you know so so actually it is said that you know that the physical form of the guru is actually the manifestation of the antaryami in the heart. So because the antaryami is always fit mm-hmm. us. So you know, so so by extension on that does that mean that actually that the Guru is always with us and in that sense all-pervading. All well, even the jiva is said to be all-pervading in the Gita. The ordinary jiva is said to be all-pervading. And that it, that means that it's, 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 it's a part and parcel of Krishna and Krishna is all-pervading. So, something like that. It's, it's, um, but um, the Paramatma feature is said to be all-pervading in everyone's heart. But I don't think the guru is in everyone's heart. Hmm? Um, but he could be in the heart of all those who love him, who are his disciples. They would, they would, they would make him there, and he could not escape, even if he wanted to. Such is the nature of, <laughs> of love and, and affection. Hmm? This famous story of Bilbo Mangalathakur. You know, Bilbo Mangalathakur. He he went to Vrindavan, and he had. Um, he had actually lusted after a prostitute and he made great effort to make a union with her at the risk of his life. It's a swimming across the river and, and the storm and then trying to climb the wall and grabbing onto a cobra thinking it was a rope and one thing after another. And then when she saw the effort that he made, she said, oh my God, you know, all this for me, if you had made this kind of effort to attain Krishna, your life would be successful. And it just hit him like a, like a, like a bolt of lightning. Hmm? Her name was Chintamani. And he took off at that moment for Vrindavan hmm? and never returned. And in his famous book, um, um, Krishna Karnamrita, he offers his respects to Chintamani, one of his gurus. Bhartma Pradarsha Guru showed him the way. But when he went to Vrindavan, he was living there and engaging in his practice and so forth. And one day he came to the, was invited to the house of a Brahmin to have his lunch. And the Brahmin went out to get something and he, and he found himself attracted to the Brahmin's wife. The lust that he was leaving behind was surfacing. And so he asked the wife for her hairpins that she was tying her hair back with. She said, what? What for? She gave them to him and he, and he made himself blind. Hmm. So we can understand that, 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 that the lust was a very superficial thing that was caused by Krishna and he did something that was not recommended to be done, but it's showing he was a very extraordinary person. And it's further evidenced by the fact that in his blindness, Krishna came to him and appeared before him externally and he could understand it was, it was a, a boy was bringing him milk or something like that. And he could understand, at some point he could understand this boy is Krishna. 
So he reached out to grab him, and Krishna jumped. And he couldn't see, so every time he reached, Krishna moved. And so then he said, "Anyway, you may go here, there, everywhere, but you can, you can never escape my heart. I've got you bound and captured there, and and you can never escape." Krishna liked it very much. Of course, this is the fact. So it illustrates that if you if 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 you want, if you make a place in your heart for the guru, then he'll be there. If you don't make a place, then he might not want to be there. If you keep it dirty, then. So, um, that's the way I would think about that, um, answer that. Um, and you know, our connection is not so much physical proximity, but as much as physical proximity uh, promotes a the the culture of the same consciousness is as close as we are. Kind of going back to the beginning of answering your question, Prabhupada used to say that I'm sitting here and speaking about Krishna consciousness to you, my students, and there's a fly on my lap. He's sitting on my lap. You're sitting down there. Fly is much closer to me, but hopefully we're lifetimes apart in terms of consciousness, which determines really how close we are, or how far we are. What else? It's nice to sit with you in a small group and answer some more intimate questions. What's the time now? Anything else? Yes? Um, I was talking to Sanatan a little bit today about um, last night Ashwin Maharaj's lecture. He was saying how um, you know, we become fully devoted servants of Krishna and uh, follow that path and um, going back to God that is our right and you were just talking about the idea of attainment how we you know the goal sort of is to attain freedom and that we were just talking about how it seems to me that might be sort of a harmful thought you know, that it's your right um, you know that Krishna owes us something. Always what? Owes us something. Well, Krishna owes us something. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, it's true. That could be misunderstood. I think that Maharaj must have been referring to a verse that Prabhupada translates that that the tenu kampam susamikshamana bujane vatvikritam bipakam. It means one who really tolerates the influence of their past in the form of the reactions that come um, and, and even begins to see them as favorable because they're even the, the negative influences, they're, they're retiring something and they're getting their satisfaction. I'm not going to plug into them, let them retire. Okay, over now. My life, my, they're, 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 they're a form of my material life coming before me and I'm allowing it to be retired. Thank you for the opportunity. We pay our obeisances to our past, you know, bad karma, so to speak, coming in a particular form. Said the guru destroys the karma, of course, by giving us the way. Hmm. 
And so it said, one who tolerates uh, like this, that he becomes the rightful heir to the kingdom of God. I mean, I think that's the way Prabhupada interpreted He becomes the heir. Um, 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 there's a couple of things that could be said about this. And one that comes to mind immediately is that there is also a difference between Vaikuntha and Goloka. Hmm. And um, Goloka Vrindavan and the Prem there is definitely only the way, the way to go there is only available by the mercy of Mahat's great souls. This is the concluding statement of Rupa Goswami on um, Raghunuga Bhakti. When he delineates what is Raghunuga Bhakti, the path of Rag for attaining love like the inhabitants of Vrindavan, he says, and the ability, the eligibility, the opportunity to try this is only possible by the mercy of great souls. It's this not so there's no question of right, you could do whatever you want and you could tolerate and everything. you can't attain that. Now Vaikuntha is a little different. And so um there there it's uh, Krishna's there of course as as Narayan and so forth and there's different avatars. Um, but the attainment of Vaikuntha is um is easier in a sense than attaining Goloka. Mm. And um, there are many different statuses there that uh, that, um, that 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 one can attain, and some attain. For example, uh, Jiva Goswami gives the example: some attain Vaikuntha mm, with the predominant influence of of Prem. And some with a predominant influence of desire for the perks of Vaikuntha, which are to have a form like Narayan, to live on the same planet as Narayan, Salokya, to be a personal attendant, Samipya, Sarupya, form like Narayan, Sarsti, the same opulence as Narayan. They actually have some interest in those things. Hmm? And then some have no interest in those things, but, but maybe a little interest, but this predominant interest is, is prem. Hmm? So this is a law to speak about because we're always speaking about selfless, we're always speaking about Vrindavan <laughs> and the path of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but, 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 but Vaikuntha, it's a little easier to attain. Hmm? And so, um, still I would be careful not to say it's your... You're right. Narayan has to has to let you in, and bhakti itself is 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 a form of grace, obviously. So I think that that could be um, misunderstood, and I wouldn't um, want to emphasize it like that way. That in that way, Shridharmarsh was always um, um, well. He would repeatedly make the point that it's it's not a right. It's a gift. It's grace. It's not. It's not something that you can. You you do this. You earn it, which is more about how karma works. You do this now. The environment has to respond. Hmm? You know, you've paid your taxes, and so now you're going to get you know this much back. And it just this is the law, the way it works. We're talking about something beyond law. 
especially when you go to Vrindavan. It's beyond law. It's only mercy there. Hmm? So the laws don't apply. You can do everything right. And there's a famous story of the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu conducted kirtan in the house of Sri Vastakur in the courtyard. And he didn't let anybody in except his his close associates, and they were tasting kirtan rasa there. And uh, so without qualification, he wasn't letting people in. And there was one Brahmin who was interested in entering the kirtan, and he made a claim, you might have heard of it, that that my life is very pure. For example, for my sustenance, sustenance of my body, I drink only milk. So I don't pick fruits, I don't take grains, I don't kill anything. Milk comes from the cow, I drink that. Milk is a pure thing. Therefore, I should be allowed in the kirtan. Mahaprabhu scoffed at the idea when he heard it. That you think that just by drinking milk you can enter my kirtan. It's not possible. Not like that, no. That Brahmin cursed Mahaprabhu not to have a happy family life. <laughs> so the Mahaprabhu had the sannyas lila then, and we're all benefiting from that. So we offer obeisances to that foolish Brahmin. <laughs> he made, this is a lila perspective. He made it possible for Mahaprabhu to be a sannyas, to take sannyas and minister to us. So, yeah, uh, um, it's not a gift. It's, it's it's not a right. I should say it's it's, it's a gift. Um, but I think what the verse is, is is really saying is is that when you start to read the environment, and this is the way Shudarmarsh poetically rendered the verse, the environment is friendly. When you start to read the environment as friendly, it's almost as if you have attained. When that has come to you, when you because. The environment is friendly in Vrindavan. Hmm? There are no enemies. There is no opposition. Hmm? The opposition in Leela is only for the, the drama and the sake of bringing out the uh, various bhavas and so forth. So the verse is really saying that, uh, that for one who has, who has no... for whom the environment is, is friendly, this is, means... Uh, it implies attainment. So, jiveta yo mukti pade sadai, jiveta yo mukti pade sadai bhak. You could be said, they have attained. It's a symptom. They have attained the mukti at the feet of Bhagwan. But you can see also from the way the verse reads, that mukti pade sadai bhak, it's, it's Kind of a way of speaking about Vaikuntha Mukti Padesatayabak. Mukti at the feet of God. We don't speak about Vrindavan as Mukti at the feet of God, we speak about Prem. It's a word that we use that other sampradayas don't use with reference to the um, ideal. They use the term Mukti. Which is found in the Bhagavatam. It's, it's, mukti is defined in the Bhagavatam as removal of the false ego and swarupena vivastiti. Mukti rupum swarupena vivastiti, an attainment of one's 
Swarup, one's spiritual um, potential in bhakti. Um, but the word we use for our prayogen, our ideal of the, the desired sadhya goal is prem, prem prayogen. Hmm. So it really refers to the, there's a kind of prem in Vaikuntha. Hmm. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's, and that's covered also in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. But the uh, special Mahaprabhu came to give that also, but there's a special thing that he also came to give, which is entrance into the Vrindavan Leela. Hmm. Does that help? Yeah, can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah. Um, so, so when we're talking about it, we're talking about it's, it's attainment because it's still serving Krishna, right? Because it's for Krishna's enjoyment. He's giving a gift in that. Right. right. Yeah, he gives a blessing. Yeah. So to attain prem, I see how you're thinking about it, I think. To attain prem. We want to attain Krishna's grace. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, because Krishna wants to wants us to take it. He offers it. Hmm? He wants us to take it up. You know, he offers it. Here's the package, you know. Here, my son, my representative, this is how you do it. He would, of course, we have to want to do that, so we have to exercise ourselves in relation to the opportunity. Hmm. Does that help? Yeah. What else? When we talk about the gift that Mahaprabhu is trying to give, he's giving a broad, broad scope, but the speciality is bringing the breath crane. So, my question is that. It seems that one who really considers himself a Chaitanya Vaishnava, that they will be predominantly inspired in that direction to the, the Braj Prem. Not only just because that's the highest gift, but also if they understand Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they understand why he has come. And like you've explained before, that he feels the, incapable of repaying the debt. So he's coming to make devotees for like Radharani. Mm-hmm. So then it seems like then if someone is really you know considers considers themselves a Chaitanya Vaishnava, how could they be distracted by Vaikuntha or something like that? Like, how could by previous samskar. Hmm. Mahaprabhu, the two aspects of Mahaprabhu, Yuga Dharma. Hmm. So he's Yuga Avatar. So he's giving the uh, means to attain Vaikuntha. Hmm. Namsankirtan. Now he's woven that Namsankirtan, it said, together with a wreath, like a wreath with prem. Hmm? So that you can do Namsankirtan in, in the context of that, attain the prem. Hmm? But um, we also see that, um, see, the Mahamantra is universal. It has a specific application and it has a broad application. Hmm? And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has a specific function and a broad function at the same time. So I alluded to it earlier that in Prabhupada's campaign, as you're talking about how to be dear to to your guru, Prabhupada had a very broad campaign. So in a very broad, we have a smaller campaign. Um, 
in a broader campaign like that, people will be picked up from all kinds of places whose destiny may be different than the gurus. I mean, it was a very broad campaign. Um, and so, um, because the Yuga Dharma is the chanting and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the Yuga You can preach about um, this aspect and people who have some bhakti sangskar for Bhaikuntha and so forth, they may be picked up by a um, general in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's you know, regiment of, you know, like Prabhupada. And, and they're fortunate because they have a better prospect for attaining Bhaikuntha than being in, in some Bhaikuntha-based sampradaya that, that hasn't recognized that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is who he is. Hmm? So, this is the idea of Bhakti Vinodhi. So the sampradaya should come under the auspices of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's the Yuga Avatar. And, and then pursue their ideal, you know, in consideration of that, cooperating with Godias and so forth. What we find is that a lot of these other lineages, they've benefited much from the campaign of Godia Vaishnavism. Hmm? So at least it's some, uh, some acknowledgement there. And, and uh, the Prabhupada kind of showed the way to, I mean, a bridge from India to America. To, nobody would cross the ocean, you know, practically many sampradaya. I thought they thought they would, you know, be contaminated or something. Prabhupada went and had a different result, so he made it easy for them to come. This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Sampradaya facilitating the other facade of Sampradaya. So much as they will recognize this, they're going to have credibility and power. And so if someone gets, uh, at the same time somebody is picked up by a broad campaign of, of our Paribar, you know, Bhaktivinoda Paribar, um, then they, they they might be like say like say, let's say Prabhupada's disciple. They might be someone who is connected with Prabhupada in terms of Prabhupada's inner life. Hmm. Prabhupada was uh, his affinity was for Sakyaras, as he explained. So they might be like that, or they might be somebody that by previous bhakti samskar in previous life they have a, they have more of a impression, and as a result, a destiny for Vaikuntha. So. It could be. And then amongst Mahabhu's associates, you find that there were Varkuntha devotees also. Ramlila devotees like Morari and, uh, were also there. Prahlad is there. Hmm. Right? And represented and, and so forth. So it has both sides, both aspects to it. Hmm. In uh, one sense, the Godi Vaishnavism serves the whole meal. And then people will like one preparation or, or another, you know. And we'll give them more of that if they like that, take more of that. Does that help? It does seem, however, that those who attain Vaikuntha as per their, uh, their practice and so forth, in, 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 through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement, that there will be special people in Vaikuntha. They know something that everybody else doesn't know. <laughs> Krishna's two Bhagavans, why so Or they attain, they may attain Gorlila in the form of Narayan. Mm-hmm. As Gor Narayan in Lakshmi, as Vishnu Priya. Mm-hmm. 
and worship in Navadweep has two sides. Vaidhi Bhakti, Gaur Vishnu Priya, Gaur Narayan, and Radha Krishna, Gaur Gadadhar. That's a very interesting angle because I was thinking they must have a very powerful samskara by coming in with Chaitanya Sampradaya just to attain by Kunta, but then like yeah. Gaur Narayan. Mahaprabhu was there as Gaur Narayan and he's there as um, Radha Bhavaduti. Mm-hmm. Both things are there in him. Mm-hmm. The time for the Yuga Avatar coming and in conjunction with the, with the time for what is the advent of um, Krishna as in search of Radha's love so both sides are there mm-hmm. and some people also they chant another sampradaya they chant Hare Krishna Maha Mantra because it's mentioned in the, in the, in the Upanishad that this is the mantra for Kali Yuga mm-hmm. I've been to South India some places in the temple they chanted 24 hours a day mm-hmm. Hare Krishna Maha Mantra mm-hmm. attained by Kunta the smart Bhakti Bhaktas well, well, well read. <laughs> and there's some, some. There's one acharya of the Ramanujas, but I never met him, but I heard about him. That he was from the north, and he accepted that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was his uh, avatar of Narayan and from Scripture, Vayu, Vayu Purana. He cited, which we've also cited, or our acharyas have cited statements there. So. Yeah, as much as they, arguably as much as they can acknowledge that, as much as they'll be facilitated in their own pursuit, hmm? it is grace to help them. It's a favorable wind. What else? Um, can our stress on the importance of diction and the fact that we sometimes we don't show regard for some of the diction gurus of previous acharyas, some previous acharyas? Can that be harmonized by the, the point you made, made some time ago that even a weak addiction can be established by a very strong addiction? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I don't think we disregard Stiksha Gurus. We may find some some Stiksha Gurus maybe more, uh, have a more powerful influence and um, realization than others. And the particular example is, well, the Diksha Guru of... Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Bhaktisiddhanta considered that there are things in Bhaktivinoda that we don't find in Vipin Bihari Goswami, his Diksha Guru. But we find those things in Jagannath Das Babaji, who was the Siksha Guru of Bhaktivinoda. And so, therefore, we, we give more emphasis to the influence of Jagannath Das Babaji in the life of Bhaktivinoda than Vipin Bihari Goswami. But we regard for Bhipin Bihari Goswami. Bhakti Vinod showed all formal regard for him and so on. But um, it plays out particularly in relation to the Yoga Pit, the finding of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's birthplace. Because there was there were local people um, and Gaudi Vaishnavas who claimed the birthplace was somewhere other than where it is. And Bhakti Vinod found that to be unreasonable and uh, he felt that that was uh, 
had been manufactured and people were using that as a way of raising money from pilgrims or something like that. So he did a lot of empirical research, ancient maps and inquiries. And it's quite extensive, actually, if you look at it. And he came to a certain conclusion, and the conclusion also um, was verified by a vision that he had from the roof of his house in Godrum. Hmm? And then he went to that place, and it corresponded with the maps and everything, and he talked to the local people, and he got more evidence from them that this original place was called such and such originally, Maipur, and and, uh, it was full of Tulsis. Only Tulsis were growing there. And so forth. So then he, you know, he, he hesitated, and then he went back the next night. He stood on his roof, and again he had the vision. And then he was he had enough confirmation to make his claim: this is the real birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was going against the current of the time, and uh, and then he was so convinced that he personally went door to door in in Calcutta to beg alms to build a temple at the, at the actual birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mm-hmm. And then he engaged his son, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, assisting him. Mm-hmm. And um, he was so uh, determined to do that, that one of the ways in which you gain... possession of a piece of property in the doms is that if you have established worship of a deity there so if on some land you worship established worship of a deity then they can't kick you out because they can't kick the deity out hmm. nice culture <laughs> of course it gets abused but 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 so Bhakti Vinod was quick to establish a deity there, but he didn't have anybody to, any proper disciples who could take up the worship, so he hired some Brahmin to do the worship. And that Brahmin had, a, had an appetite for ganja. Ganja's marijuana. So Bhaktivinoda would supply it for him. And keep the worship going. Eventually, you know, that provisional measure was replaced with Adhalt, Adbhuta Mandir, the wonderful Mandir that he envisioned was built there. But the work of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, now millions and millions of pilgrims, pilgrims come there every year. The birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, um, but when he, relative to the point, when he found the birthplace, not only did he find it by, as I say, empirical evidence, ancient maps and research and so forth, and also by his vision, twice. But he also then, um, his own Diksha Guru Vipin Bihari Goswami did not accept it, and he he sided with the majority of the time, and so there was a, a an issue there, and and. But Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj was, was over a hundred some years old. Was Jagannath Das Babaji, excuse me, was brought there on a on a carried on a whatever on a not a palanquin but some kind of like a hammock or something. You know. Anyway, when he when he brought brought him to the site, 
he confirmed it, he began to dance and, and confirmed it. So this is all Bhakti Vinodhak needed. Because Jagannath Babaji was a very extraordinary person in his time, Siddha Mahatma. And, uh, and so, again, and this is a very huge part of the contribution of Bhakti Vinod. After the Goswamis revealed the places of Krishna's Leela and Vrindavan under the direction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he revealed to modern times places of Leela in Navadvip. Hmm. He wrote his famous book, Navadvip Dham Mahatmya. Hmm. That takes you through all of Navadvip. And this has happened here, this happened here. He brought so much um, emphasis. He kind of like uh, re-kind of, what would you say, caused the Navadvip to resurface. Sometimes the Dhams recede and then they come to the surface so, by his preaching and become notable and so forth. And um, I mean, they were only, it was a jungle, you know, Bengali tigers and whatnot. So he did a lot to um, make, not reveal Navadweep, the Dham of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the world, to the modern world. Hmm? And this was a was central to it, the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, real birthplace, needed to be established in his his mind. And so the, the significance of Jagannath Das Babaji and the difference of Vipin Bihari on that is, is not something we want to emphasize necessarily, but it, it makes the point, and it's the point that you're making, that, that there may be, maybe that, and he makes the point himself, Bhaktivinoda, in his writing, that the Diksha Guru may may be found to lack some knowledge and so forth. Still, he should be regarded, but that should be compensated for by a Siksha Guru, if that's the case. And it may come to pass that the Siksha Guru then uh, plays a more prominent role as a more, as a more advanced Vaishnav. Hmm? So it seems to be the case in the life of Bhaktivinoda. It's also a way of preserving the culture of respect. And so, let's say you have a Diksha Guru and he's or she is not... Um, highly qualified, but qualified to teach you on some level, and you benefit from that, and so forth. And and then you you um, attain more substantial association, but you don't disrespect that 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 person. You re- regard for the, what was given, and it's a it's a culture of regard and appreciation, and and, and so forth. So so to say that we. I don't know what, what, what word did you use? Dis, dismiss? Disrespect? Uh, I just put that. We don't show regard. Like, yeah. Talking about them now. Yeah. A little bit we're talking about them now. So, we don't disrespect them. <coughs> Your question? Uh, my question is about the uh, Shabbat ceremony. And for a very long time, Shabbat ceremony in the. Indian culture was monopolized by smart Brahmins. And when Bhaktivedanta came, he introduced the Vaishnava Shadda ceremony. He brought all the... He marked it up with scriptures and uh, established the, the way in which the whole ritual was performed. So my question is that, did he uh, do it because his followers were not ready to forego this kind of cultural... Uh, rituals 
or is there any special significance of Vaishnava Well, in a Varnashram society, which is what he was living in, um, he wanted to establish a uh, Vishnu-centered and uh, divine form of Varnashram um, for the benefit of the people. And then he expected that his students would be functioning within that from a Vaishnava perspective. It's not that such rituals were obligatory or that without doing them something would be lacking in bhakti, but when in Rome, do as the Romans, as long as it doesn't interfere with your mission. <laughs> so from the absolute perspective, there's the Vaishnavism, and you're living in a Varnashram society, and so you you observe the rituals, and and uh, Vaishnavs, you know, if everybody on your block, the Shraddha ceremony is a, is a, it doesn't mean faith in this context. It, it's a, it, it, it's a ceremony for the deceased. Hmm. It ensures their passage hmm. would be would be auspicious, something like that. Hmm. And so, this is the culture you live in. Like, let's say we live in a culture here. People die, and they get buried or they get cremated. Hmm. Right? And there's some ritual that, that, that goes with it. So. Um, so we follow basically, you know, something like that, right? We do cremation. We have our own ritual, but um, of course, it's a little bit of multiculturalism, so it doesn't apply. Perhaps my example, but but anyway, again, we know it's in Rome. Do as a Roman. So if you're in the Varnashram society, and everybody on the block is a, is a, has eligibility for Varnashram, but they're not Vaishnavas, and you're a Vaishnava, hmm? then you participate in the social system. Varnashram, from a Vaishnava perspective, not attached to it, not with the thought that I have to do this or my bhakti will be lacking, hmm? but to set an example for the society that, that Vaishnavas are uh, um, religiously upright people, socially correct or whatever, politically correct <laughs> um, type of people. And so they, I think they, uh, the lead from that really comes from um, Baladev Bidibhushana in his times. Mm-hmm. He's written some things about that, a whole system of observing the Varnashram from before Vaishnavas, from a Vaishnav perspective, mm-hmm. if they live in a Vaishnav culture. So he does away with all the mantras for worshipping different gods and goddesses, only all the mantras of worshipping Vishnu. And so it's, it's very. And Bhagavatam has an idea like that when it speaks about. Varnashram in the seventh canto. Mm. But um, it doesn't have much application here in the Western world. At the time of Bhakti Vinod or Bhakti Siddhanta, there was such a deterioration of the idea of Varnashram that, that he had uh, the desire to see that, that it be properly understood and, and taught for the overall religious welfare of the people. Does that help? Does that answer your question? Yeah. Mahaprabhu performed the Shraddha ceremony for his deceased father. Hmm. He was obviously above the Varnashram, but he was living in the Varnashram. So wherever the relative um, concerns of the Varnashram in that society did not conflict with the absolute concerns 
of Vaishnavism, then they followed. But if they were to come into conflict, then you would see he would choose the the absolute consideration and step over the the um, the laws of the Varnashram system, rules made to be broken, to know their meaning. It's not really to break them, even. Fulfill their, fulfill their purpose. Varnashram is a bunch of rules. Like I said, it's like a cage to tame you. But if you, if you love, then that's far beyond being tamed and domesticated. And uh, as far as interacting with those who give you the cage, <laughs> Krishna gives the cage. That's one thing. But to train someone to tame someone so that they don't bite. But if they kiss and embrace, well, you know, that's beyond not biting, obviously. So Vaishnavism is like that. All right. Siman Mahaprabhu Chaitanya Dev ki jai. Gornitananda ki jai. Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Premananda.